Well, greetings and God bless, church. Why don't you put your hands together and give God some praise? God is good all the time. Come on, type that in the comments. God is good all the time. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to lift up the name of the Lord even further in our time of word and in our time of preaching. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go to John chapter 2. And as you're flipping to John chapter 2, that is the fourth book of the New Testament, the second chapter, John chapter 2. I want to just, as a pastor, give you some pastoral encouragement. I am praying for you over these next few days as you head into the holiday season and over the next few months as well. And I just want to encourage you to move with caution and wisdom, right? We don't submit to fear, but we also walk in wisdom. So I want to encourage you to look out for your neighbors, look out for your family members. And if that means you might have to rearrange your holiday plans or get a little creative. Listen, I'm not telling you not to have the holidays, especially for our single saints. I think about you, um, that being a time where you can connect with family members. But I just want to encourage you to walk in wisdom. Amen. Let's pray a prayer of protection and blessing upon you as you enter into this holiday season. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have placed a hedge of protection around us. We thank you, God, that those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I pray that you would protect your people, that you would keep them safe. God, give us wisdom. Give us creative ideas. I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us. I pray that we not succumb just to um, foolish or reckless actions just because we want to preserve some semblance of normal. But God, I pray that you would guard us, protect us, and that you would guard our minds. The steps of a good man and woman are ordered by the Lord. So I pray that you would order our steps as we head into this holiday season. May it be joyous and joyful. I, I speak a special blessing upon our single saints, those who are living by themselves. I pray that you would give them community. God, I pray that we would gather around them. I pray that there would be a sense of uplift. And I pray, God, that you would keep them safe as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. John chapter 2, uh, it's a very familiar passage, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 here. John chapter 2, it says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, verse 3, this is where the plot thickens. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Verse 4 says, dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. Jesus was more bold than me. <laughs> My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
anybody who knows anything about me, you know I love movies, but beyond that, I also love documentaries. Any documentary fans in the house? I absolutely love documentaries, and I love different types of documentaries. Anything that you can think of, I will watch. And in 2011, I stumbled across this documentary that was receiving a lot of critical acclaim. It's a Japanese-language American documentary film. It's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Sushi, I know you probably haven't heard of it. I know you probably haven't seen it, but it is a fascinating documentary. It moves a little bit slower than your typical documentary. It's not really high energy or exciting, but it tells this story of an 85-year-old sushi master and owner of a restaurant in the country of Japan that is a Michelin star, three-star restaurant. It is very highly acclaimed. And it's simply this. It is a 10-seat sushi-only restaurant located in a Tokyo subway station. <laughs> so it's underneath uh, an office building, underneath, uh, located in a subway station, and it is one of the most highly acclaimed sushi restaurants in all of the world. And it's run by this 85-year-old sushi master named Jiro Ono. And what's so interesting about this is his techniques, his style, everything about him is extremely simple. It's extremely deliberate. And even though it's extremely simple, even though it's extremely deliberate, there is a month wait or a two-month wait, probably extended even past after the documentary. But you have to book two months in advance. Reservations. They only take reservations. It's mandatory. You have to book two months in advance. And an average meal per person costs you, get this, 300 U.S. dollars. 300 U.S. dollars. And what's so interesting about Jiro is he is relentless in the pursuit of excellence. He is relentless in the pursuit of mastery. The quote that opens the documentary is Jiro looking at the camera. This is what he says. Once you decide your occupation, you must immerse yourself in your work. You have to fall in love with your work. Never complain about your job. You must dedicate your life to mastering your skill. That's the secret of success. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, that right there is the beauty and the blessing of focus. Someone type focus in the comments. That right there is the beauty and the blessing of focus. Over these past few weeks, we've been diving into this theme of focus, and that's our sermon series title. And the idea of focus, a Christian definition of focus is, Focus is the clarity to direct your attention to what you have been called to do and who called you to do it. Focus is the clarity to direct your attention to what you have been called to do and who called you to do it. And so in all of this, focus is actually, it is an underlying theology of purpose. It is a theology of purpose. So we talked about this from Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to the end of the chapter over the past two weeks. We talked about being all in. We talked about how Jesus resolutely set his eyes toward Jerusalem for the joy that was set before him. And in the midst of all of this, I challenge you to do one thing. I'm going to reissue that challenge to you today. And I want to encourage you along this plane, church. Just one thing. Write out your purpose statement. I know some of you might be asking, I don't know where to start. I don't know what it means. I don't know. If you have written out your purpose statement, I've, I've told you to do this the past two weeks. If you've written it out, I want you to raise your hand in the comments. Put a hand up in the comments. We'll see how many people put their hands up. This is extremely important. It doesn't have to be long. It could be one sentence, two sentences, three sentences, four sentences. It can be a couple of paragraphs. It's just something that roots your purpose, what you believe God has called for you to do. 
This is of the utmost and paramount importance. If you're just tuning in for the first time, can I remind you, or maybe can I inform you for perhaps the first time, you do have a purpose. You do have a reason for being here. No one is here by accident or by coincidence. If you still have breath in your body, God has a purpose for you to fulfill on this earth that ties into your good and also his glory as well. Are you hearing me? You have a purpose. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter what education you have or do not have. It doesn't matter what people say about you. You have a purpose that comes directly from God. Uh, why don't you type that in the comments? You're going to be interactive today. Type it in the comments. I have a purpose. Type, I have a purpose. And I want to challenge you to write out your purpose statement. The reason is because this gives us a sense, an idea of where we are supposed to set our attention and the clarity with how we look. In this passage in John chapter 2, I want to get right into it because there are just a few purpose principles that I want to share with you. If you're thinking about how to develop your purpose or you're thinking about how to refine your purpose, I think John chapter 2, ironically, gives us a glimpse into how we can do that. Uh, look at the first couple of verses here. It says that Jesus went to a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, verse 3 is where the plot thickens, and I want you to pay attention to this. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother came to him and told him, they have no more wine. Now, this doesn't mean as much to us in our context, but this was a red alert. This was a massive emergency in this time. In this particular context, it is important for us to recognize and understand that if you run out of wine, that is a signifier that you ran out of provision. It's actually supposed to, in some cases, be an omen for the future of your marriage. If you ran out of provision here, you're going to run out of some things during your marriage. And it's not so simple that you can just go and pick up more wine at a Walmart. You can go and pick up more cups at a local grocery store. There's no such thing. These things shut down entire villages and cities. And so because of these wedding celebrations, it was a red alert it was a massive emergency that they didn't have any more wine you know what it's like to be under pressure right we've talked about this before our previous sermon series was pressure season you remember that and we talked about how God is preparing us for extreme pressure that many of us are walking through right now he's preparing us in the midst of pressure season and I asked God the question why are we talking about purpose after we talk about pressure that, that seems weird. I, I think it should probably go the other way around, right? Why are we talking about pressure before we talk about purpose? This is what God said to me, and this is our first point. Pressure produces purpose. <laughs> Type that in the comments. Pressure produces purpose. You don't know what's in you until pressure is applied to you. You don't know what's in you until you are pressed in from every side. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is why you can't run from pressure, because pressure presses out what God already placed in you. Do you realize that in times when it seems like you don't know what to do, in times when it seems like you don't know your direction, pressure and trials and suffering and pain will be applied to your life. And it will clarify the mission that God has given you. That's why one of the most important things for us to do is pay attention to the things that annoy us. 
Pay attention to the things that bother us. Pay attention to the things where we look around and say, this isn't right. I can't believe we're still talking about this. I can't believe we haven't figured out that. That is a sign that there might be something in our annoyances, in our pains, in our difficulties that produces the purpose that God has for us. You can't figure out your purpose for sure until pressure is applied to you. Y'all don't believe me, so let me just illustrate it like this. Joseph, when Potiphar needed someone to order his house, he picked you. And then when you were falsely accused, you went into prison. And then when the Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted, there was a pressure moment. And the butler came to and said, oh yeah, there's this one guy named Joseph. See, pressure produced the purpose and the network that Joseph was eventually going to run. (laughs) Are you hearing me? Uh, Not just that, but David. See, the presence of a giant, the pressure of a giant produces the giant killer. Esther, the pressure of ethnic genocide produces the advocate. See, Jesus here in this text, he is being pressed in on every side because there's a pressure moment and now purpose is produced in the midst of that. See, some of us are running from pressure when pressure is the ultimate clarifier. Pressure is going to clarify where we need to be, when we need to be, and what we need to do in the midst of it. I think of Amos as well. Amos is a prophet to the nations, but here's the thing. He's actually a sheep herder. Amos is not some famous guy. Amos is not some seminary educated man. Amos is just a common worker. And he's proclaiming the truth. Why? Because injustice is around. I can't sit silently by while injustice is being perpetuated. God has a word that he's put in my spirit, and I have to deliver that word. Nehemiah is a cupbearer, but he hears about the breach in the walls. He hears about the fact that the walls have been torn down, and Nehemiah has pain and anguish, and his pain and anguish connects him to the purpose of rebuilding the wall. Are you hearing me, church? Some of you are running from pressure when actually pressure Pressure is going to produce your purpose. (laughs) Pain can produce your purpose far greater than prosperity. (laughs) I come back to this quote a lot from Denzel Washington. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. I love how Reverend John Jenkins puts it. He says, God blesses through a burden. You ought to type that in the comments. I'm going to steal that. God blesses through a burden. God blesses through the pains. God blesses through the annoyances. God blesses in the midst of pressure. So Jesus is pressed in by his mother. Jesus is pressed in by the situation. The pressure that other people feel produces the purpose that's on the inside of him. Let's keep moving. It goes on here to say Jesus is having a conversation with Mary. And he's saying something. He says, dear woman, that's not my problem. It's not my problem that they ran out of wine. And he's not saying this to be disrespectful. He's saying this because, notice the next clause, B clause of verse 4, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But notice this, his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. There was something interesting that was happening here. Jesus was not saying it wasn't his time to do miracles. Jesus was saying there were certain things that he was not supposed to have revealed to a mass audience. So Mary picks up on that, doesn't get offended by the apparent disrespect that we would interpret in that, and says, do whatever this man tells you. Now it's interesting, watch. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, 
fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So, key phrase here, the servants followed his instructions. So, the servants followed his instructions. So, the servants followed his instructions. Why am I repeating it? Because the second step, not just pressure produces purpose, but this is a principle here. If you want to find your purpose, you have to master your materials. Type it in the comments. Master your materials. Master your materials. I have here a crock pot, right? Of course. Interesting thing about making stuff. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to say all the time, I made this. In reality, I didn't make anything. In reality, my mother made it through my hands. <laughs> That's a word in and of itself. I hope you caught that. My mother made it through my hands. I didn't make anything. But I had all these ingredients, right? And so I had all these ingredients that she used to tell me to put in something. Now, I used the crock pot and not the skillet because that's a metaphor for how our purpose is revealed. Our purpose has to simmer. A lot of us, can I, can I say this parenthetically? A lot of us want microwave Jesus. We want microwave God. We want heat it up quick. We want God, can you fast track me? We want God to do things in a way that pleases us. We want instant gratification. But God says, no, I'm not a microwave God. I'm a crockpot God. It needs to simmer a little bit. So he just says, master your ingredients. Just put a little bit of this Creole in here. Put a little bit of seasoning. I'm going to actually do it. Put a little bit of Creole seasoning in here. Put some in here. Just put a little bit. Okay, what else? What else do you want me to do, God? Very important. How Jesus walks in his purpose in this passage is how God gives us our purpose. You ready? One step at a time. One step at a time. I know it seems like you want God to give you everything. Can I break something to you? God speaks in ingredients, not recipes. God speaks in ingredients, not recipes. He doesn't give you the whole thing. He doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen. He doesn't give you all the steps. He says, just add a little bit of garlic powder. He's like, let me see if you're listening. Just add a little bit. Okay, God, what else you want me to do? Silence. He doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> do what he said. Add a little bit of garlic powder. I did it. Okay, you're waiting. I don't have anything for you yet. Just sit there. It was one of the worst things for me whenever it was time to cook. I was so impatient. I was like, what do we need to do? Don't we? Just, just chill. One of, the, one of the worst ingredients, one of the worst instructions that I can hear whenever it comes to cooking is stir periodically. Okay. All right. I'm just stirring. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, now add some salt. Okay, cool, cool. Add some salt. Okay. All right, that's enough. Stir. God, what you want me to do? I said stir. Yeah, but God, you know, they got a full plate over there. I, stir, okay. Yeah, but God, I've been stirring for, for, for five years. Come on, I, I said stir. I'm cooking something. Stir, okay, God, fine. But God, I, what, do you, what do you want me to do? What? Some of us are asking the question. <laughs> Let me be careful because I'm, I'm going to swing this at you. Some of, some of us are asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? Can I help you? When you don't know what to do, 
Do the last thing God told you until he tells you something new. Master the thing that he's put in your hands already before you're asking him for more. Some of us need to check our hearts. We again want to be impressive, not intentional. So we want God to fast track us and give us everything that's going to happen before we get to the place where he needs to take us. And then we don't want to master the thing that he's given. Promotion comes after mastery, not before, church. Promotion comes after mastery, not before. Some of us need to just keep stirring. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm just customer service. Be the best customer service person they have in the entire corporation. But are you saying that's my purpose? No, I'm saying that's what's in your hands right now. That's what you have to master. Yeah, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm just a data analyst. Well, you better analyze that data better than anyone has ever done it in that company. Well, yeah, but I don't... Stir. He's cooking something in you. Yeah, but see, I'm just a student. Well, you better be the most articulate, dedicated, uh, excellent student that you can possibly be. I don't know what my purpose is. What's in your hands right now? And here's the interesting thing in this passage. The servants obeyed the word of Jesus, and because they obeyed the word of Jesus, what was in their hands was, was multiplied and miraculously changed, and they didn't even know what was happening. They didn't even know that the, that the miracle had happened. They didn't even know. They just obeyed. They just mastered what was in their hands. And how many of us don't know our purpose because we will not simply stir periodically. When I tell you to add in ingredients, you can do it. But right now, you need to stir. Stir. Master your materials, church. After pressure has produced the purpose, you got to master what's in your hands. I don't know who I'm, I don't know why I'm staying here. I don't know who I'm talking to. You better make sure that every single thing you do that God has placed in your hands, do all things, the scripture says, to the glory of God. Do it with all your might. Don't do it like it's nothing. Do it like it's something. Do it like it's the greatest thing ever. Master your materials. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, I give ingredients, not recipes. I give steps, not an instruction manual. It's not how this works. I want you to remain close to me. How obedient are you? <laughs> let, me, let me finish here because we're almost out of time. He goes on to say this in the passage. I love this. When the master of ceremonies, the MC, tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. <laughs> and he said, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. It's human logic, right? You give them the best stuff first, they get drunk, then they don't know what they're eating. Then they don't know what they're drinking. They don't know what they're experiencing. Then you bring out the cheap stuff. Then you bring out the Dollar General stuff. But you have kept the best until now. That's a flip. Notice this. This miraculous sign at Canaan Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Third principle, pressure produces purpose. Master your materials. Number three, this is a principle. Whoever God calls, he covers. Type that in the comments. I'm covered. Whoever God calls, he covers. At a certain point, 
God's going to cover you. You want to be used by God? You're going to be covered. Hide. You're going to be hidden. You're going to simmer. God covers you. I want to illustrate it because sometimes it's not just that. He's going to cover you. God covers us. It's interesting. In this passage, Jesus did the most public miracle in the most private way. If there was ever a miracle that could have spread his fame, it was this one. He was at a wedding party. All the dignitaries and the important people who were there would have seen and been like, wow, I believe now. You're the son of God. But they didn't even know. The master of ceremonies didn't even know. The bridegroom had an emergency, and he didn't even know the emergency was already taken care of. Because whoever God calls, he covers. Jesus understood this one thing, timing. There is a difference between chronos, which is chronological timing, and kairos, which is God's time. Chronos is man's timing. You're supposed to do this by this age. You're supposed to walk in this by this time. You're supposed to have a house by this moment. You're supposed to get married at this point. Kairos time is God's divine time. It's the at the right time Christ died for us while we were ungodly. It's the just in the nick of time Jesus showed up and made a way where there was no way. Just at the last second, he moved the car out of the way and you didn't get into an accident. Just at the proper time, he gave you that doctor's report that came back clear and not benign rather than malignant. It's the Kairos time. <laughs> and some of us don't want to be hidden. God says, if I've called you, I'm going to cover you. There is this instant gratification impulse that we have in our society. And this instant gratification impulse, it is a desire to be seen. It is a narcissism. It is an individualism. It is a Western identity that says, I am the center of the universe and I must be seen. And God is saying, no, no, no. I got I to gotta cover you. I got to hide you. I'm not done cooking yet. <laughs> you ever had that moment where you wanted to, to come in and take a little sample, take a little scoop off the top? And what happens? Your mom or your wife or your husband, they stop you. They say, I, 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 I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done cooking and you have to wait. Some of us want to be revealed prematurely. And God is saying, nope, if I call you, I got to cover you. I got to hide you in obscurity. Can I testify to how this has worked out in my life? In 2010, I reached out to God and I said, I cried out to him. I said, I really want to know what my purpose is. God helped me to discover and define my purpose. And I felt like he gave that to me. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, of course, we're well, a pastor's son. And because you're a pastor's kid, all pastor's kids are supposed to go into ministry. Number one, that's not true. <laughs> and number two, that wasn't my story either. That wasn't what I desired to do. And I grew up being shaped and formed by media. I grew up being shaped and formed by radio broadcasting. And so I told God, what do you want me to do? And so it was no surprise that God gave me this vision. This is my purpose statement. I have been called to speak God's truth clearly, beautifully, and unashamedly in every form of media. That's my purpose statement. I have been called to speak God's truth clearly, beautifully, and unashamedly in all forms of media. 
So I wrote that down. I said, great, this connects to my natural passion. So when I went to college, what I desired to do was radio broadcasting. And so I was there getting my radio broadcasting degree, learning all the principles, honing that skill, honing that craft, tailoring my voice to be the best that it could possibly be because I wanted to be famous. I want to be an ESPN radio broadcaster. I wanted to do talk radio. That was my dream. And then God says, all right, Leave where you're at before you get your degree. God, this doesn't make sense to me. What are you talking about? Leave where you're at and go back home. So I come back home. Nothing's wrong. Everything's going well before I left. And I'm looking around like, God, what are you calling me to do? What are you telling me that I should do? And so God leads me into ministry. Position opens up at the church. I had no idea it was going to open up. And then I fought with my parents. I said, I don't want to do ministry. I'm not trying to do this. I'm not trying to be the PK stereotype. I'm not trying. They said, this is what God has called you to do. And if God has called you to do it, you got to do it. I'm like, no, that's not what God has called me to do. God has called me to do talk radio. I was like, this is what God wants me to do. And so they eventually won because God spoke to me, said, walk into this door, walk into this opportunity. So I did. And as I'm walking into this opportunity, what happens? I get a TV show. Someone comes to me and they say, hey, I, I want, I, you, you want to do a radio show? Why don't you do a TV show? I, I tried to talk him out of it. I said, no, no, no. I want to do a radio show. He said, no, no, no. Do a TV show. That's all we do here. Do a TV show. So I said, God, this isn't really in my calling. And God was like, just go do it. I said, this isn't what I want to do, though. I thought you called me to radio. He said, I called you to all forms of media. I said, God, come on now. This isn't really what you want me to do. I've been trained in radio, so why can't I do radio? He says, be quiet and go do what I told you to do. I say, yes, sir. And so I walk into that, and a lot of people have a misconception about television. They have a misconception about the show I ran. A lot of people think that because it was on satellite television, that it was lucrative. I made zero dollars from that show. I lost money. Thousands upon thousands of dollars. I paid for it out of my own pocket. I would take whatever I received in salary and whatever I did in other endeavors, and I would sow it into the ministry because I said, I guess this is what God wants me to do. Never received a dime from it, not even one cent. And I looked at God, I said, this doesn't make any sense. So I would be excited for the recordings, and then as soon as I would get in my car, I would be depressed. So I would say, God, this is great, but this isn't what I want to do. And God said, keep being faithful. Keep doing what I told you to do. So time elapses. And in 2012, there's this conference in Atlanta, this conference where I was going to go and try to get some interviews for my television show. So I took a group of teenagers from our youth group, the Remix Youth Group, and I said, let's go up to this conference. So we go up to this conference. As soon as I get there, all the interviews, the ideas that I had about getting interviews, none of them came to fruition. And I was frustrated and I was sad. And so I was walking around the conference venue during the second day. And I run into this guy who's manning a booth for a seminary. He's a guy named Jamar, short guy. He's talking my ears off. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we had a long conversation. I was like, man, it's good to meet you. He said, let me get your information. So I get, we exchange information. We had an hour long conversation. And I'm like, God, I feel like a failure because I didn't get all these interviews. And God doesn't say anything. So fast forward, Jamar reaches out to me. He says, hey, why don't you come up to Jackson, Mississippi? We're launching this little collective. We're launching this group, and, and I want you to be a part of it. So I come, but I don't really sign up to be a part of anything. I'm like, this is great for black Christians. I think it's cool, but I'm not really desirous to be a part of this. I want to do something else. And so they said, okay, that's fine. You can do something else, but come on our podcast. 
And so I came on the podcast and I didn't have any equipment. And so I was, I was talking through my computer mic and, and I was doing all this stuff. And they were like, you know, hey, come back. They kept asking me to come back, come back, come back. So I, I'm coming back and I'm like, man, this isn't really part of my purpose. And, and we get to 2014 though. And 2014 was a place where it got really dark for me. Very few people know this, but I had applied to an internship, a ministry internship in New York City. I was going to pack up everything and leave Pensacola. And I said, the second I get in, I'm packing my bags and I'm going to the Big Apple. Little did I know that the person who was running that ministry internship, the place where I was supposed to get everything that I needed, the place where I was supposed to transition out of my life, I was supposed to move into what God had truly called me to do. I was going to do talk radio, do all kinds of things, do church ministry, but then really center in what I felt like God had called me to do. Little did I know that the person who was running that internship stepped down from that position and closed the internship without any notice. And I'm depressed and I'm looking at God and and God wasn't speaking to me in this season. I didn't hear any new revelation from God. I didn't hear any prophecy from God. I didn't get any special words of wisdom or knowledge from God. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? Around this time, Jamar said, hey, listen, we have a opening for our podcast host. Do you want to be a podcast host? I'm like, number one, it doesn't pay any money. And number two, I don't really know. I'm just trying to do traditional radio, and I don't really think so. As clear as I'm talking to you right now, I felt God say in my spirit, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. So I said, okay, I guess God wants me to walk into this. So I walked into this opportunity as a podcast host for free, and we were just recording podcasts once a week for about two years, 100 podcasts, and I didn't know if anybody was listening. I didn't know if anybody cared. Come 2016, the podcast explodes. Thousands of people are listening to it. Thousands of people are interacting with it, and I started getting reports from all across the country. They said, we listen to your podcast. I'm like, where are you from? They're like, we're from Washington State. We're from California. We live in Maine. We live in New York City. We live in Chicago. We live in Texas. We live in Alaska. We're listening to your podcast across the country. I'm like, how is this possible? Then I get some more notifications, and they're like, we're listening in London, England, and we're listening in South Africa. And I go to South Africa to speak at a conference, and this guy says, hey, can you can you come and talk to this group that's been listening to your podcast? I think it's going to be three or four people. I show up, it's 40 people. They said, we've been listening and gleaning encouragement from you across continents. We have a, we have a national conference last year. And this young lady comes up in tears and she comes and talks to me and she says, you don't understand. I was getting ready to give up on the church. I was getting ready to give up on all things Jesus. But somehow, some way, someone dropped a link into your podcast and I've been listening in Colombia and I've been listening to your podcast and it's changed my life. And all the time, All the time I'm wondering, God, when are you going to let me do what I want to do? When are you going to reveal the plan that God has for me? When are you going to reveal all that you want me to do? And he says, son, I'm just covering you for the right time. And then when he revealed me at the right time, now all these people are getting saved. All these people, their lives are getting touched. Their lives are getting changed. And it's all because God said, I need to cover you. I need to keep you under wraps. And some of us need to hear this. We think that God isn't doing anything with our lives and all God is doing 
doing is covering the person that he called. Who am I talking to today? Because some people are wondering, am I doing anything that's worth it? Am I doing anything that matters? And God is saying, I'm just covering you. I haven't forgotten the call. God, God told me earlier this year, he said, the reason you had to do this television show is because about 10 years later, your church was going to be in a pandemic, and then they needed your, not just your anointing, but your skill to be able to talk to a camera with no audience. And so I had to develop that for you 10 years in advance so that now you could use it. I developed this radio gift in you eight years in advance for when people needed to hear your voice. Are you hearing me? Some of us need to hear. God wants to cover us when he calls us. God wants to keep us under wraps. Are you willing to embrace obscurity, church? Are you willing to embrace the season of hiding? Are you willing to embrace the cave? Are you willing to embrace the fact that God isn't done cooking yet? And I want to encourage somebody out here. Our time is past gone. But God desires for you to walk in your purpose. Write down your purpose statement. You will be able to track and look back on how God has led you to this moment. You will be able to track and look back on how God has prepared you for such a time as this. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the season of covering. There's something cooking underneath the covers. There's something cooking underneath the pot. God is doing something. Pressure produces purpose. You have to master your materials, and whoever God calls, he covers. Are you ready to walk in your purpose, church? Lift up your hands right now. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall upon your people. Give them the confidence to walk in their calling. Give them the confidence to write out their purpose. I pray for those who are confused. I pray that you would bring clarity to them. I pray that you would bring clear direction of what they're supposed to do. And I pray, God, that we would write down the vision and make it plain, even if it seems like we're not walking in it now. God, you are preparing us. You have covered us. And I thank you for the seasons of obscurity. I thank you for not revealing me when I wasn't ready. God, I thank you that you're still developing me. I thank you that you're still developing your people. It's not over. We're not finished products. But God, I pray that we would embrace the covering season. And I pray that we would truly walk in the purpose that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we'll see you on Tuesday night. We're going to talk more about your purpose, purpose statement. But I again encourage you, write down your purpose statement, and God is going to use you. God bless you, church. We love you. Well, hey, church, I hope that that encouraged you as we continue our focus series. It is so important for us to remember that we are called to follow after Jesus. And that first starts again with salvation. And if you're wondering, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I am a part of the family of God. It's very simple. It is just a prayer away. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. I believe that you died and you rose again. For, for my sins and for the sins of the entire world. And now I will trust and follow you for the rest of my life. Whatever variation you say that in, if you confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you are saved. Welcome to the family of God. I know it might seem like you don't know what to do, but I want you to put home in the comments, the word home in the comments, all caps. And our social media team will reach out to you and give you some literature, help guide you further on what you are supposed to do as you move forward. I also wanna encourage you as you're moving into this particular moment of us being focused, 
We want to encourage you to join us on our Focus Fast. You can do so in the pinned comment. There is a link that says Focus Fast. There's a pinned comment there. And you can click that link and it'll give you the steps for what it means to fast. This is a powerful time for us to center our hearts and allow God to speak to us as we continue to focus on what he has called for us to do. If you didn't have a chance to give, you can do so in three easy ways. You can go to the Tively app and type New Dimensions Christian Center. You can go to our website, ndccpensacola.org and click offerings. Or you can mail it in, P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Church, thank you so much for joining us. I pray that the worship has uplifted you. The word has challenged you. I pray that you have been changed today and motivated to go all in. We'll see you on Tuesday at Midweek Bible Study right here on our NDCC Facebook or YouTube page. And we'll see you next week for another sermon series from our Focus series. We're so excited about what God is doing. Our calling is so important and we must remain focused on it. Well, I'm praying blessings upon you this week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week right here at New Dimensions Christian Center, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Be blessed. Hey,